We have this treasure in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at this chapter today. Verse number 7 is our text verse. We're going to look at the verses before it and some verses after it. We're going to talk about the treasure, but we're going to talk about this treasure. We're going to talk about this gift. You know, at Christmas time, we're all we're talking about gifts and of course, as Christians, we talk about how Jesus is the gift, the true gift of Christmas. He's the the true meaning of Christmas. And we realize that he came, he was virgin born, he was uh came as a, a little infant, a little baby, but of course he didn't stay that way. He grew and grew up and and he uh, one, one day died on the cross for our sin and then rose again from the dead and then ascended into heaven. And so we're going to be talking today about this treasure, what this treasure is, what this treasure does. We're going to be talking about opening up the gift of Christmas. We talked about Christmas for many weeks, right? But we're going to be talking about the gift of, of, of salvation. We're going to be talking about this treasure, this gift in earthen vessels. I don't know how much longer my batteries are going to last. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Look at verse number seven with me, please. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Notice verse eight. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Let's pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless now as your word is being preached. Forgive me for sin, empty me of self. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I pray this sermon would be used to help us to realize the importance of using the gift of salvation in faith and all that you give to us. I pray this sermon would be helpful for those who are discouraged, that it would build us in our faith, that we would see the importance of living out our Christian faith. And I pray that if someone here is not sure that they're saved, that they would receive Christ as their Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What did you get for Christmas? Now, that question is much more common amongst the kiddos, right? As soon as our kids meet other kids, they're going to ask each other, what'd you get for Christmas? It's funny because sometimes even a couple of weeks afterwards, the kids don't even remember what they got for Christmas, right? The parents remember because we're still paying for it, right? I'm just kidding. But what'd you get for Christmas? Well, we know Christmas is coming. And if you're smart, you have a list. 
especially for family. What do you want for Christmas? My mom always asks. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? I don't exactly know how much she plans on spending, but you always give her more than what she's probably going to, right? You always, you, always, you always offer suggestions and just say, you know what? This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Because no matter how old you get, when your mom asks you, what do you want for Christmas? You kind of refer, refer back to being that little kid and say, oh, I want this, I want this, right? And you've got this big list for your mom. Well, you know, when I was a little kiddo, I'd always ask for Legos. Legos have been around. It's amazing how long Legos have been around anymore. Man, and they're, they've, they're, they're stronger than they've ever been. You go to the Lego store in the mall, and man, it's, a, it's unbelievable how many people, of all ages, they're in there. Building little Lego men right around this little thing. It's unbelievable. Legos, I remember, as a little kid. Nowadays, you know, adults, we get clothes, maybe. Maybe we get, which is great, right? Praise the Lord for clothes. Uh, maybe we get books. I got some people gave me books. I love that. Uh, snacks, food, treats, coffee, right? And other things, praise God. But when you get a gift, maybe you're excited to open it up. You don't want to just sit there and look at the pretty paper, right? You want to open it up and what's inside? If you can just imagine, okay, let's just take this. Let's just, let's just say perhaps this was the gift that I got, this 101 devotions for men. It's all wrapped up in nice paper. Somebody gives it to me. I receive it. And then you open it up and you think, oh, that was so nice. Thank you. Then you look at the price tag. How much did they spend on me? <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. And that's why we take the price tag off, right? But you think, man, this is great. They gave me a book, whatever the book is. Now, here's the question. When you get a book as a gift, what does that person expect for you to do with the book? Read it, Right? They bought you the book, they saw the title, and they think this person would most likely enjoy this book on this topic. And when they wrap it up and they give it to you, they expect you to open it up. They expect you to, wow, look at that, there's the title. But they expect you at some time to sit down and read it. If you have someone who's given you a wonderful gift-wrapped uh, box of cookies, homemade cookies. They hand it to you. Your name's on the tag. You receive it. You open it up. Oh, wow, cookies. Well, you don't place it on your shelf as if it's a decoration, right? You open it up and you eat them. If someone gives you clothes, you open it up, you receive the gift, you open it up and there's a beautiful sweater. There's a wonderful shirt or whatever it is. Again, they went shopping with the intention of what would this person enjoy? It's, it's always funny. Sometimes you may have someone who gives you a gift and it's like, they always buy you the things they like. <laughs> like, uh, I'm never going to wear this. Why would you give this to me? Right. Um, but, uh, but no, they, they go shopping and, and, they, and they try to find something. They think, you know what? They're probably going to enjoy this. And you open it up. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's, that's so nice. And what a, what a nice sweater. What a nice shirt. Well, what do they expect you to do with it? Not to wrap it back up and put it in your closet. Right? They expect for you to eventually wear it. Use it. 
So if we can, just for a moment, let's go back. Just briefly, we're going to talk about the gift that we've been given. Romans 6. We know this verse. Many of us can quote this. Many of us have used this verse to help other people see the gift of salvation. Again, at Christmas time, many times we focus and we should, we should focus on Jesus being the gift that God the Father has given the world, right? So that he may take away our sins. It describes many times in scripture that salvation is a gift. It's free. It doesn't require a payment on our part. It doesn't require heaps of guilt. It doesn't require baptism or church membership. It doesn't require us turning over a new leaf, some people say, or we're trying to change our own life so that we can become worthy of this salvation. The Bible simply says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, a wage is something that you work for. Most people have a job, or perhaps you've had one in the past if you're retired or in between jobs at the moment. But at the end of that pay period, you expect a wage, right? I had a job one time as a teenager, um, and I was working for the government. Don't worry, I was a secret spy. Just kidding. Um, but I, had, I was working on base. My, my dad was in the military, and I had the job on base. And, uh, and when I first got the job... Um, they, they said, you have to, I, I, don't even, I didn't even have a bank account at that time. Like I was, just, I was just newly getting into the workforce. In the past, when I worked, I got a paycheck. I would just go cash it and just take the cash and you know, do whatever. But they said, this is the one and only paycheck that we're paying you, as in paper paycheck. You need to get a bank account so that we can do direct deposit. Fine, be that way, right? <laughs> but we would expect the wage, we know how much we're getting paid an hour, if it's an hourly wage or salary and benefits. God says the wages of sin is death. We know there is sin because we know there's death. We know there's sin because we know there's death. Death is evidence of that sin. We all know we're going to die. Why is that? Why are we not eternal? in our bodies because of sin. We can expect that wage. And not only just our physical death, but we can also expect the second death, and that's found in Revelation. We're coming right back to Romans 6. We're just going to touch on salvation for a moment, and then we'll get back to our passage about the treasure. And it says in Revelation 20, In the great judgment, it says in verse number 11, Revelation 20 and verse 11, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 
The wages of sin is death. It's not just a physical death. It's an eternal spiritual death. It's called death and hell. It's the second death. It says, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21 and verse number eight. But the fearful, isn't it interesting that some people are just, they're just afraid to get saved. The fearful, the Bible says. You ever try to talk to somebody about the Lord? What does that mean? What are you saying? Fearful. Fearful that it's true. Fearful is going to change your life. Fearful is going to change everything about your life. You're fearful. Hey, ignorance of salvation does not mean bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance means judgment and eternal hell. Ignorance means second death. The wages of sin is death. It is a kind and gracious and loving thing to share the gospel with a sinner. We're all sinners. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. But it says the fearful and unbelieving, they hear it, they understand it, they agree with it, but they don't believe. They do not put their faith and trust in Christ for salvation. They believe in God, but they're not saved. They believe in being good, but they're not saved. They believe that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead, as in they agree that these things happened. And they may even agree that he did these things for their salvation, but they do not personally make it theirs. I believe that if I was hungry and I ate a rotisserie chicken, I would no longer be hungry. How many of you guys have ever eaten a whole rotisserie chicken? Don't raise your hand. Right? But having an understanding that if I was to eat a whole rotisserie chicken, I would no longer be hungry, does not solve my hunger problem unless I actually eat the chicken. The unbelieving. Yes, I hear about Jesus. I know about Jesus. I believe that he could save me if I would let him, but I choose not to. I choose not to believe. The unbelieving will be eternally judged. The whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. That's all of us. You say, well, I, I don't habitually lie. How many times does it take to kill somebody to be called a murderer? Once. We've all lied more than once. We're all liars. There's a difference between being a liar and being a forgiven liar. Being a liar who's been justified and saved by Jesus Christ. It says, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And again, it says, which is the second death. We go back to Romans 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a gift. It's a free gift. It doesn't require anything except our repentance. And by repentance, we simply mean that when we hear the truth about Jesus Christ and about his salvation, by grace. When we hear the truth, we allow that to change our mind and our heart. We turn and then by faith, we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
Sometimes people want to make repentance out to be this long process where we grovel before God and feel sorry for everything we've ever done. Well, that's impossible. How are you supposed to feel sorry for everything? We don't even know all of the sins that we've committed against the holy God. Repentance means a change of mind resulting in a change of heart. And if we truly repent, it means that we then, because we've repented, we, we, we trust Christ as our Savior. And it's a gift. It's a free gift. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved. For by grace, meaning completely undeserved. You know, grace was the Apostle Paul's message. <laughs> it was his theme. Every time he spoke, it was about grace. It wasn't about the good things he'd done. It wasn't about the churches he started. It wasn't about the suffering that he had endured. It was about the grace of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, the the belief, the trust, we have to trust him for our salvation. And that not of yourselves. It is the, once again, gift of God. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. We do not work for our salvation once again. We cannot go back and say, well, I was baptized as an infant. Then I was confirmed. Then I was, then I tried to do this. Then I tried to do that. All of these things mean nothing. They do not make a difference in your destination of, on, of going to that second death. Baptism doesn't change that. Only the new birth will. And, the, and it's a free gift. Aren't you thankful that it's a free gift? It's a free gift. He died for us. He died for our sins. I think it's wholly appropriate on the first Sunday of the new year for us to make sure at Sparrow Baptist Church, we preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that it's salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Becoming a member of this church, becoming a, uh, some people try to, they try to, they try to step so far back from religion. They try to say, well, 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 everybody's okay and all the religions are good and I'm not just going to pick just one it's very popular in Toronto to to say things like that what are they attempting to do they're attempting to justify themselves outside of the grace of Jesus Christ like I'm okay I'm, I'm justified I'm fine listen my friend just saying everybody's okay is not a loophole that is going to satisfy God you're trying to convince yourself that you're a good enough person to make it into heaven and so let's say that you've received this gift and many in this room, if not everybody, has that testimony of salvation. I've received the free gift of salvation. I've trusted Christ as my savior. Now we can go back to our text in 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, we have this free gift. And with that free gift, we have forgiveness of sin. We have eternal life. If we die, we are going to heaven. Jesus Christ satisfied the justice of God for the sin of the whole world. And when we accept Christ, we are 100% and forever forgiven. This whole world has been pre-forgiven through the death of Christ. You know, we talk about we've got pre-approval to purchase a house. Well, we've got pre-approval to get a loan to purchase a house, right? Pre-approved. I've been pre-approved to get a car. I've been pre-approved. Listen, everybody has been pre-approved to receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ, but they have to receive the gift. They have to believe. They have to accept it. 
They have to repent. They have to turn from their own works and receive that gift alone. Now that you have the gift, now that we have the gift, I've received it. Now I have the gift. Now I'm going to heaven. Now I've been forgiven. But does this gift do anything else for me? Is there anything else in the gift of salvation? And by the way, this, this, this topic, this, this treasure in earthen vessels we'll talk about, the gift of salvation is far, this is an entire topic. This is the, the whole topic of the New Testament. This is the, this is the topic of the entire Bible, really. So we're just going to cover just a few points that we can see in the life of the Apostle Paul here. But we have here, if we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, we're going to see, and we're just going to walk through, we're going to mention a few things in chapter 3 and then jump to chapter 4 and just kind of go through and see that when the Apostle Paul was going through a difficult time in his life, he was always going through a difficult time. What did he do? What did he do? He went back to that gift that he had been given. Because listen, friend, everything that you need for life and holiness, everything that you need to live a life of purpose and grace, everything that you need to live this life the way God intended you to live this life is found in the gift of salvation. Receive the gift and then open that gift and explore that gift and all of the grace that God has for us. It's not self-help, <laughs> right? I read self-help books. They're interesting. But at the end of the day, it's all you. It's all self. Self-helping self. And they're, they're good suggestions many times. But listen, friend, we need something greater than ourself to get through this life in a, in a way that pleases God. It, th this thing's too big for us. We need, we need his grace and we need his help. We don't need to get saved again and again and again and again. We need to learn how to access the treasures of this wonderful salvation. The Apostle Paul begins in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we, as some other epistles, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? He's, he's approaching the church. Remember, this is 2 Corinthians. He's approaching this church at Corinth and saying, do we need letters of recommendation? Do we need letters from the church at Jerusalem or from our church at Antioch? Do we need letters to recommend, to qualify us so that you can see that we have authority, so that we, you can see that we are qualified and that, we have the, the, uh, uh, that, that, that you can trust us and that you should listen to us? And he's asking this question because the authority of his apostleship was coming into question in 1 Corinthians, and he addresses it here again in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And he goes through, and he begins to describe salvation, and he goes through that a bit. And then, But it's the same thing that's carried over into chapter 4, and he's, he's addressing the question that the doubts that the Corinthians had concerning his authority and concerning his message to come back and correct them, to come back and teach them. He has doubts that are coming at him. And how does he address these doubts? He addresses these doubts in verse in chapter four, verses one through six. And we'll go through these in just a moment. 
But he begins in chapter, in verse number seven, where it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's saying, I have the authority because God has saved me. This treasure of salvation and because of it in him personally, the calling of being an apostle, we have this treasure. We have this glorious light of the gospel in earthen vessels. It's this amazing, supernatural, heavenly light of purity and holiness and righteousness in an earthly vessel. And that's why we've chosen here just a clay pot. We're clay pots, <laughs> right? When, when God created man, he reached into the dust of, of, of the ground and formed man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And we have the light of eternity, the Bible says in John chapter number one, that this light lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every single one of us has the light of eternity in our heart and in our life. And the law of God has been written on our hearts. But that's not the light we're talking about here. We're not talking about the fact that human beings were created different than the animal kingdom and that we have an opportunity to, to worship God and we're drawn to worship him. And we have morality written in our, in our hearts and that's why every people group across this world, they have a law. There is something written down in the governments of their laws. Whether they believe in the one true God or not, they believe in, in some degree of government and morality of some kind. Where does that come from? It comes from God. That's not, talking, that's not the treasure it's talking about here. It's talking about that gift. It's talking about the gift of salvation. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. My friend... When you're going through difficult times, when you're going through times of doubt, when you're going through times when other people's doubt is projected on you, oftentimes the doubt is not even our own, as we can see here in the passage with Paul. He's not doubting, they're doubting. And if we're not careful, the doubts and the fears that this world has will begin seeping into us and then we will begin living in doubt and fear, not because we doubt and fear, but because we've allowed their doubt and fear to become my doubt and fear. Some of you live with people that live in doubt and fear. Come on now. Some of us go to work with people of doubt and fear. Some of us are in close spaces with people of doubt and fear. We need to learn to access this gift we need to learn to realize that God has given us the gift of salvation and it gives us all of the hope and the power and the strength and the grace that we need to live this life in the right kind of way. What is in this gift? Briefly, this gift has given us a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. That's a whole nother section and we'll talk about that um, at some other time. But we can see that that God has, uh, in that gift, he's given us access to himself and access in, 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 in a way to create um, or, to, or a way to build healthy relationships with other people. It says in 1 John 1, 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This is not, this is something that is included in the gift of salvation. God has given us the ability 
the access to have a relationship with him. To have a daily relationship, a daily walk. Let me ask you, friend, this is so convicting. And my question is in this story. We were asking our kids, what do you want to do in this new year? And we're thinking, you know, we're going to say, oh, I want to go sledding on this big hill. And I want to do that. Sometimes kids say the most convicting things. And Savannah says, I want my walk with the Lord to be better. I'm like, oh, my word. I want to read my Bible better and pray better. She's 11. She's 11. Now, that's God. That's not me. (laughs) That's the Lord that put that in her heart. Let me ask you, what are your goals for this year? Do you want to get to know God better? Do you want to walk with him a little bit closer? Do you want to be more consistent? Well, where do we go shopping for that? Where do we find that? No, no, you've already got that. You've got all the potential right inside if you're saved. You just need to access it. We need to, we need to realize that, yes, we've got the gift of salvation and we've received it and we've, and we've opened it up and we've tasted a little bit of the cookies and we put on the clothes, but God says you need, to, you need to learn to live in the reality of this. You have access to God through Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pursue God and let's pursue the fellowship, the close connection that we can have with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ, as it says in 1 John 1. And verse number three, and notice it says in 1 John 1 and 3 that you can have fellowship with us. There are so many Christians that are lonely. So many Christians that are lonely. And they're looking for companionship and connection. Listen, but they're doing it in an unhealthy way. Some people decide, I want to have companionship and closeness, but they want to do it the way they want to do it. And God says, listen, if you get close to him, if you get close to God, God will allow you to grow and become a selfless person. The Bible says, if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. I want somebody to meet all my needs. Why don't we instead look to go and try to meet someone else's needs? Uh, When Jesus turned the water into wine, the Bible says that nobody knew how he did it. But the Bible says this statement in parentheses, but the servants that drew the water knew. The servants, the companionship, the camaraderie, they were there with Jesus when Jesus did the miracle but they were the ones that were working with Jesus. And let me tell you something, friends, the Christians that learn to work with Jesus and work with other people who are working with Jesus have an incredibly close connection to one another that cannot be traded off for something. It is deep. It is meaningful. It is, it is healthy. It is satiating. It is, it is, it is wonderful to have that connection. The closest connection that any Christian can have is with God. And with others who have that connection with God and who are serving God. Please do not have the mindset of a consumer where we come in and we think, well, this is kind of like the kind of like a restaurant where I'm just going to look at the menu and see if this church has what I want. If God has led us to a place 
then let's get in and let's, let's serve and let's have fellowship with God and, and have that deep and meaningful connection with other Christians. This is a part of the gift of salvation that we need to open up. Now let's go through a couple of these things. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, seeing then that we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we faint not. I love this point. I'm just going to preach through the points until we run out of time. I have about 10 minutes or so. Point number one. Ha! Look at the Apostle Paul. He's being questioned. Notice his life. Now, verse one is talking about ministry, but notice how he describes his ministry in verse eight. He's describing his life. Okay? We are troubled. Notice he says we. You guys see the fellowship in there? Notice he doesn't say I. Ha, 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 ha. God's word is so good. God's word is so good. It's so consistent. The more you're in it, the more you see the connections between all the different passages. And you're like, wow, this is such a supernatural book. There's no way this can be a man-made thing. There's no way. It's impossible. We. How, how can Paul be saying the same thing that... John is saying in, in 1 John, well, because it's the same spirit, the same God that gave him the same words and the same truth. Praise the Lord. We are troubled on every side. We are troubled means, the, the word troubled means you're pressed in, like you're in a giant crowd. Like, what's the, what's the word if you're scared of big crowds? What's that, what's that big fancy word? Claustrophobic. Claustrophobic. That, is that the one for big crowds? Who? That's it. Claustrophobic is more like you're like closed spaces. Yeah, yeah, closed spaces. Good, thanks. Uh, no, no, we're troubled on every side. He's like, we're, the, the word is like pressed. You're pressed by a big crowd. That's the way he felt. But, but, go, but, but it goes on to say, yet not distressed. Pressed, but not distressed. Pressed, but not squished so that the life has gone out of you stressed out, but there's still grace. Let's go back to verse number one. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, the ministry to do the works of the apostle, to teach. He's saying, I have the authority to do this. I've got the calling of God. I've been saved. This, this authority does not rest with me. He says in verse number seven, in an earthen vessel, meaning I'm nothing, guys. He's like, the treasure is him and his salvation. And because I got saved, he gave me this incredible ministry, this incredible calling. Seeing we have this ministry, he says, let me tell you something, friend. God can give you an incredible purpose for your life. And it, 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 it all comes from the gift of salvation. Amen. He created you and he saved you and he has a purpose for you. And, and you say, where is that purpose found? It's found in the fact of where he created you, how he created you. And the only way that you can access your true purpose is when you connect with him. You can't connect with him if you've not been saved. Here is Paul as a lost man living his life in a way that God never intended. He never intended him to go out and be zealous and persecute people. He intended, he intended that same zeal and that same drive and that same intellect to be used for Christ. And Paul never was fully satisfied in who he was as a person until he got saved. 
Until he began to develop that relationship with God. And God began to reveal to him, this is why you have your background. This is why you have this intellect. This is why, listen, this is why you're a Jew that was raised in a Gentile area. Come on now. This is why, he says, he says the treasure of, in this earthen vessel, it's, it's not just you. There's a treasure deep inside. And that treasure gives you purpose. Some of us are just dying to have a purpose. It's not what the world offers as a purpose. It's something deeper than that and more meaningful than that. And let me tell you something, friend. Eternal. It's an eternal purpose. And he says, seeing we have this ministry, there's nothing like being involved in ministry. There's pain. There's pressing. But notice what he says. Ha, ha, ha. This is good right here. Notice what he says in verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Pastor, I don't think I can do this. You better connect with that. You better connect with that gift. Hey, there is mercy for ministry. Oh, I like that. If I ever got a tattoo, that's not just kidding. There is mercy for ministry. Just making sure you're away. There is mercy for ministry. There is courage to do the right thing, but only if you connect with that gift. You don't have to give up. You say, Pastor, you don't know. You don't know my family. You don't know how much pressing I endure. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what it's like. I've been told that my whole life. We all say that to one another. You don't know what it's like. And, and you say, well, you don't know what it's like. Well, well, you don't know what it's like. And you don't know what it's like. And you say, well, he knows what it's like. And he's given us a gift. He's given us a treasure in this earthen vessel. Don't focus on the earthen vessel. Go to the gym. Eat right. Exercise. Do, do good mental health things. All that kind of stuff. But don't get sidetracked that somehow taking care of this earthen vessel is God's goal for our life and living. It does not satisfy us deep down as a purpose. He's got a treasure. He's got a ministry for you. What's your ministry? Well, I'm not, I can't get up in front of people. That's great. God made you that way. That's okay. But he still has a ministry. Pastor, I can't sing. You don't want me to sing. We, we watch these, uh, these videos sometimes on YouTube of people trying to sing that shouldn't. They sound like they're, I don't know, it's terrible. God made you the way you are. He's given you a gift. He wants you to have a ministry. And don't think for a, mi for, for a minute that you can't do what God put in your heart to do. You can do it. There's mercy for that ministry, friend. There's mercy to be the mama that God called you to be. There's mercy to be the grandmother, the grandfather. There's mercy to be the father, the husband, the wife, the single adult young person in a promiscuous town, my friend. There's mercy for that ministry. Man, I'm about to get excited. There's mercy to be the person in the building that you live. There's mercy to be the neighbor that you're supposed to be. There's mercy for that ministry. Where does it come from? It comes from, it comes from the treasure in that earthen vessel. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's mercy for that ministry. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we thank not. There's courage to do the right thing. There's grace to do the right thing. Don't sit there and think that for some reason that because it's hard that you can't do it. Nope. Mercy gives you the fuel to do the ministry that God called you to be. 
to do the ministry that God called you to do. Mercy gives you the, the fuel to, to find that purpose and to continue on and not just do it once, but to do it until the day we see Christ. Man, that's good. I like that. Verse two, but we have, but we have, but have renounced. Notice the mercy. We have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. We've received mercy. We're not going to faint. Notice he's not going to quit. He's going to have courage. He's not going to, he's not going to slow down. Verse two, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Now he's comparing himself to these false teachers. There is mercy for us to retain our integrity as Christians. You don't have to do the wrong thing. Finding your purpose is also using that mercy that God has given you. But sometimes we think in order to find our purpose and to go on in life, that somehow we have to step away from doing things honestly with integrity. Notice what he's saying. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. He's like, I'm not trying to trick you people. The message that I am giving you is not, is not trickery. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Oh, you say, where all the false religions come from? That statement right there says it all. If they quote the word of God, they handle it deceitfully. Uh, last semester, just a couple of weeks ago, I took a group of students. Uh, Brother Andre was there. He's back there teaching right now. And I've taken others in the past. To the Catholic Church, St. Mike's, St. Michael's Cathedral here in Toronto. We sit down, respectful, listen to them. They get up. What do they do? Guys, they open a Bible. They open a Bible. And they begin to read scripture. And you think, hmm, okay. All right, okay. And then, whoa! all of a sudden, now they're saying things that the Bible does not say. They're using the same words, but the meaning is complete. Listen, when a priest gets up there and holds up a piece of bread and says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin, he is going to stand before the judgment seat someday. A wafer is not God. And it should not be bowed down to or worshipped. Handling the word of God deceitfully. And listen, there is something inside of every one of us that doesn't want to faint. That doesn't want to quit. That wants to keep on going and wants to keep on doing a ministry and finding a purpose. But the path for that is through integrity with the word of God. Oh man, this is good stuff, guys. Man, this is good stuff. Man, this is good. If we're, the, Bible says, the Bible says that his commands are not grievous, but in the flesh they are. If you've never been born again, and you look at what the Bible expects out of you, you think, I can't do that. And you know what? You're right. But there is mercy for that ministry. You can do it. We can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We can't. You can be the person God intends for you to be. You don't have to twist your integrity. You don't have to step Well, you know what? At, at work, in order for you to make that sale, you've got to go out and show them a good time. I hear it all the time at the gym, these salespeople. 
You gotta go show them a good time. You gotta take them. You gotta buy the tickets. You gotta do the bar, and you gotta stay out till four, and you gotta get stinking drunk, and you've gotta you gotta do the draw. You've gotta do. I mean, you gotta make this. You got. You got. Just gotta. Hold on. God created you for a purpose. Amen. God's given you a gift, a treasure in an earthen vessel. You can make a living and be an amazing salesperson with integrity that honors God. Yes, you can. Amen. It's good. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. My friend, it requires faith. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust him. There is a way. There is a path forward. There is a path forward. Verse three, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. There it is again, believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't expect to, to, to look to the world. We can't expect to the world. We can't expect to seek that connection from the world and find that purpose and find that mercy for ministry and find that grace and find that integrity. We can't expect to find it out there. We find it in here. When you say, oh, you mean like Buddhism where the, the secret to happiness is following the eightfold path and you just need to, you just need to, 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 to do these practices so that you can, so you can find that inner peace because that's what Buddhism teaches. No, 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 no. That's the earthen vessel. That's just talking about yourself. You are not the treasure. He is the treasure. When we're talking about accessing the treasure, we're talking about connecting to the salvation that he has given you. The grace, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your part and nudges you, then follow what he's telling you to do. Go witness to that person. Get up early and read your Bible. When he wakes you up at three in the morning and you don't know why, get out of bed and start praying for somebody. You say, well, what, what, what's going to happen if I do that? You're going to find a ministry. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find fellowship. Yeah, you're going to find opposition too because the God of this world, Satan, is not, is not all that excited about Christians accessing that treasure. But my friend, it's a treasure. Man, is it a treasure. Almost done. Verse five, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's the treasure? The light, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, his grace, all that encapsulates salvation through Jesus Christ. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How can you do that, Paul? Listen, the secret to life is not living a life so safe that you never do anything. It's following God. It's following his leadership. It's growing in grace. And if you follow God's leadership in your life, you can expect to be, you can expect, expect to be pressed a little bit. You can expect to be stressed out from time to time. You can expect some sleepless nights. You can expect some tribulation, but there's mercy for that. There's grace for that, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus 
might be made manifest in our body. Let's go down. Verse 17 will be done. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. But the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Are you accessing that treasure? Are you living the life of faith that God wants you to live? Are you walking with Christ? Are you allowing God to develop more faith in you? Are you walking through this life and finding your purpose? Are you allowing God to give you the courage and the grace and the mercy for the ministry that he's called you to? Let's bow our heads, please, and pray.